Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Ready to get, welcome to the Recamp Boot Camp. Say, say, welcome to the Replant Boot Camp. You said it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Here we go. Way to go. Welcome to the Replant Boot Camp, everybody. It's going to be another great episode here live at the Missouri Baptist Convention with thousands of Missourians listening with bated breath on every word <laughs> that we right. have to say. Man, I'm so excited here because not only does the ambient noise sound like the Antiques Roadshow, yes. which I only watch when I'm ready to go to sleep, <laughs> but, ring. but we've got another great voice, we a do. great podcast voice with a, a, a He's probably our most frequent returning guest. He is. He there is. You go. He's kind of like an unofficial third member of the team. He That's is. it. Hey, Mr. I'll, Evans. Take, I'll come on if you'll have me. There we go. Evan That's the great. Voice Skelton. Replanter the voice. at Bayless Baptist You guys say that, but I, I've never. Anyways, there you go. Well, thanks. <laughs> so you Brandon, know, I'm really on. glad to be in Missouri. When I left Jacksonville at like 6 o'clock in the morning, it was 85 degrees. And Tough I had to tell life. you. Something that you guys have that I've only heard stories of. Four seasons. <laughs> I, I don't know what it's like to have four seasons. In, 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 I grew up in South Mississippi on the same latitude that I live now mm-hmm. in Florida, which we have summer, hotter summer, and three weeks of blistering cold winter. Now, define blistering cold, Jimbo. Like 35 degrees. Okay, that's not blistering But with cold. 100% humidity. Okay, well... That's that's worse. It's bone chilling. Yeah. Evan, our our good friend here, yeah. is from the Denver, Colorado area. Oh, that's right. And it's a it's a different kind of cold, right, Evan? Yeah. It's yeah, not it's like bone chilling mm-hmm. cold. No. And it it's oh man, I loved Colorado winters. So it would dump snow all the time, but it'd be gone by the afternoon. Most people, I think, because they see the news and they watch movies, they assume that Colorado is buried from October till February. No, not at all. It's that's, the best. That's why so many people move there, and mm-hmm. that's why property is Too so many expensive. People. That's right. It is so high, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's Mile High City, and mm-hmm. it's just awesome weather. And mm-hmm. I love Colorado, mm-hmm. one of my favorite places. Yeah. yeah. But we're not here to talk about Colorado. Nope, we're not we here to talk fill about a Colorado. Podcast, though. There you go. <laughs> we're, we could do another episode maybe on just Colorado. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about how to manage and handle and survive the weight of leadership. Yeah. I think in this season in particular, I don't know about you guys, but I have felt the weightiness of leadership maybe more in the last nine months than I ever have, because it's just been, it's been so complex in the sense that there are so many things kind of pulling in so many different directions. Mm -hmm. You have COVID, which obviously is divisive, and there are all these different views in the views I don't know about you guys, but in Florida, they express their views very passionately mm. on this subject. <laughs> and it, it becomes one of those things that, like, you, you're, you're trying to navigate because you got people in your church on both sides of that equation, and you're yeah. trying to figure out how to navigate that. And then you've got political tension in both kind of racial mm. disharmony and, mm. and disunity in the country being really elevated to a higher level recently. Yeah. And then the political tension of it being an election year and maybe one of the more contentious election years that we've had in a while. 
and you're trying to figure out how to pastor amidst all that while also having probably decreased attendance because of COVID and decreased giving and decreased missional opportunities for outreach because you got to be socially distant. And it's just, it's, there's a lot of weight. Have you guys felt that weightiness? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, so this is my uh, first time in a lead pastorate in any church, um, let alone in a season like this one. And I think I've felt that weight this year more than ever before. Um, lost sleep over it. I've and many ways been reminded of my youth and out of my, I felt out of my depth in making in, uh, not just a few decisions, but a variety of different decisions almost on a weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the succession, uh, the success of wave after wave after wave of hit after hit after hit that <laughs> particularly has been wearisome to me mm-hmm. because it's not just COVID, it's mm-hmm. a, a personal crisis or it's somebody leaving the church or it's a, a church, a difficult conversation that you have to have. And then you can, one of the things I can see in, our, in the faces of our people so is, is like several churches across the nation, we, as we've returned to worship, we've had a significant number have still stayed away. Mm-hmm. So we're running 30%, 33% of what we normally run. And you can kind of see that on people's faces like when they come in and they're like, well, we're glad to be here. Where's everybody else? And there's a weight to that, right? Mm-hmm. Let's toss in just personal stuff mm-hmm. with kids, with finances, yeah. with family, with health. Yeah. And what we're hearing is leaders are just simply exhausted and they're, they're just feeling the weight of everything. Yeah. We've lost several leaders in our city already. Uh, I think they've said, I mean, we're seeing more pastors resign their, uh, from their um, from even thriving churches at one point uh, this year more than, than any other year prior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if you remove all of the kind of current situations, because we know that this podcast is going to be timeless, and people are going to listen to this <laughs> 10 years from now, and they're going to be like, what was COVID? What was all this stuff? <laughs> Where were these guys 10 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> no, but just that kind of first chair leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but a lot of lead pastors told me, hey, there's just really no way for me to explain it to you, um, but there's just something different about that that lead position mm-hmm. and really the weight that falls on you. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have you guys felt that as well? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, particularly when a family comes to you for counsel. Mm-hmm. Let's say their marriage is in a bad spot uh, and they're looking at you mm-hmm. and you're thinking about your own marriage. Is my, am I in a position where I can have something to share? And then just the weightiness of feeling the the hurting, the hurt that they're expressing, mm-hmm. and that thinking of a senior adult who's facing uh, a transition in their life, like they're mm-hmm. they're no longer can live by themselves, and they have to consider what what are my options now? Do I move in with my kids? Do I go to uh, a center, a home, those sorts of things? And then I, I just think being the lead guy for a season, maybe that just just have not been the lead guy. And typically, if we've served under a leader, we always know in our minds how we would do things differently. And we think in our minds it would probably be better if mm-hmm. we were in the lead mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. And then we find ourselves in the lead position. And guess what? We have that guy behind us yeah. or those people behind us. And so the weight of those experiences in pastoring, pastoring's heavy. The, the challenge of managing your own life and, and paying attention to your own life and the gospel and, and those things. 
and just the sheer exhausting of be, uh, exhaustion of being the guy that's taking on the full force of the wind yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the circumstances, the life, the spiritual attacks, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. We find ourselves in, in a position where, you know, we just sometimes, and in, in particularly I feel it on a Sunday afternoon when I come home, uh, and I, you know, shepherded people and talked to people and preached a sermon and seen people uh, both rejoice and also be sad and, you know, all those sorts of things. I think Sunday night, Sunday afternoon when I come home, I just kind of collapse into a chair and go, yeah, it's a, it's been a heavy day. Yeah. It's been I'm a good never day, but more it's been exhausted day. than Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Oh, me too. The other, I think a few weeks ago, uh, I think I had this cloud that hung over me from probably began sun- Saturday evening. I slept about four hours. Um, I tend to get my worst sleep on Saturdays for yeah. some reason. And then it persisted probably till about Tuesday or Wednesday till I finally felt the clouds part. Um, there was a variety of reasons for that. And I think part of it is the, is that weight you're describing. Um, and I had a good mentor who reminded me recently, you know, in the midst of this, we, it took a while in the pandemic, particularly just to get our feet under us to feel like finally, okay, okay. Like we have at least a sense of what, what, what this is going to look like, or at least what it look, what it does look like right now, let alone how to begin to move forward. And he really pressed in that the, you know, our people during this time, especially at least in the season that we're in, we're still very, still very early on in a replant. And many of our people in this season uh, have uh, dr- have seen a drift towards uh, just a spiraling anxiety mm-hmm. and isolation. Mm-hmm. And in that, um, it can easy it can be easy for me to get frustrated or resentful over our last a loss of momentum. But my people need a shepherd more than ever. They need a leader more than ever. They mm-hmm. need someone who who can lead from a position of joy and of yeah. courage. And and he really pressed in that that my responsibility is uh, more than ever before in this season is to be at rest in Christ, confident in his, in his, uh, in his power, his strength, his wisdom, and be and out of that refreshment, even in changing circumstances to lead forward because our people won't be uh, in many ways uh, um, have that on their own. They will. I mean, if they're a faithful, godly believer but God's meant them to be meant for them to be led and for their yeah. leaders to inspire that evoke them and and to march forward with them and uh, and I and I feel that because I can just get very weighed down in my own discouragement mm-hmm. and self-pity and whatever it is and miss that uh, that really does affect the people around me my wife gave me the the greatest analogy I've ever heard that gives the clearest explanation I I've heard of what it what it means to have that weight, right? So me and my wife went on a mission trip when we were engaged (laughs) to Kenya. And on this mission trip, we go out into the African bush at this some point, sleep like just on the ground, and, and we meet with the Maasai, which is a primitive tribe in Africa. So the Maasai at that time decided to honor us by slaughtering a goat and cooking it right there in front of us around this fire and in particular the liver is the like way to honor a guest and so they take this goat liver put it on a stick and cook it for <laughs> maybe two minutes on the oh fire my gosh. <laughs> and our missionary that we're working with comes and tells us hey just heads up here's what's about to go down they're gonna pass us this liver this is a huge way of honoring us as guests mm-hmm. in their area and we have to eat the entire thing. Maybe or, like a 30-second warning for this. Or, yeah, or, or it will be like 
really a huge dishonor to them, and and it'll it'll mess a lot of things up. You you just gotta you gotta do it right. So we're already kind of sitting in a line in a circle around the fire, and and so they come and they hand it to the first person this one huge chunk of liver. And the idea is each person each person is supposed to take a bite and then pass it down, and we have to finish the whole thing. It's been heavily communicated. Well, in God's sovereign providence, my wife was at the very end of this line. And I say sovereign providence because my wife grew up in northeast Mississippi eating gas station chicken gizzards (laughs) (laughs) and chicken liver. And so no one on this trip was more prepared to handle being at the end of the line than my wife. Lifelong training. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look, I I'm going to not going to lie. I have a little bit of a refined palate is how I'm going to say it. That's how you strike me, having a refined palate. And I just think he's refined. I, <laughs> That's right. I would have vomited if I had to eat much more than I did. And everybody, everybody ate the smallest bite they could possibly eat. And so 80% of the liver's left. When it gets to my wife at the end of the line. And I felt horrible. I wanted to be chivalrous. I wanted to, I just, I couldn't do it. I would have dishonored everyone because I would have vomited the whole thing. And so I hand it to her and she mans up and just takes it and just throws that liver, chews it up, swallows it like no one else on the team could have done it. And my wife said to me that recently, being in that top level leadership is like being at the end of the liver line. Mm. Because everybody else gets to take as small a bite as they want. But when it gets to the end of the line, you have to do it. You have to finish it. And you can't lean on everybody else at that moment. It's on you right then. And pastoral leadership is so often that way, where church members will take as small a bite as they can, or maybe they'll take a big bite. But whatever gets left at the end of the line, well, it's up to you. You yeah. got to eat the liver. I, I, you know, so we talked about kind of the emotional pastoral weight of leaders. Talk about some of that administrative weight, because because that when you tell that story and, and kind of couch it that way, it makes me think about the Saturday night nine o'clock cancellation mm-hmm. of the childcare folks, mm-hmm. and who call your wife and say we're not going to be able to do childcare, and your wife's already been in childcare for you know three weeks at that point. Well, that falls to somebody who's that fall to. You also to the pastor's wife, oftentimes. Yeah, right. And there are all kinds of things that happen in our church like that. That that one, uh, we do need to have good leadership and good administrative systems and good teamwork, and we need to develop leaders who realize that their yes needs to be yes and their no needs to be no, and they need to keep their commitments. But ultimately, it does come back to you sometimes, where it just falls on you. You're at the end of the liver line, so to speak. Now, if that's happening on a regular basis, what's going to happen is it, it you're going to get exhausted, and mm-hmm. it's going to bring it's going to build resentment yeah. and frustration, and it's going to decrease your longevity in ministry, and certainly decrease your joy in ministry. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. hear us say that while leadership is weighty, and sometimes you're the person, you're the last person there that has to get things done. But if that's always true of you, mm-hmm. you probably need to examine your leadership. Mm-hmm. Because here's what happens sometimes in an unhealthy way. Some of us enjoy the fact that we're needed and we put ourselves in positions where people are dependent upon us. Mm-hmm. And if that's a scenario that's kind of in our lives and we're getting affirmation from that, 
it's very unhealthy yeah. and it could undermine the success of the ministry in the sense of building God's people for God's mission and then us leading God's people towards God's mission and vision. So everything that, that falls on us is something that detracts from the primary call on our life. Mm. And, and I, I want to be careful when I say that, right? So we, we talk about being resourceful, generous, being what? So if the toilet stopped up and there ain't nobody to do it, well, guess what? You got you to handle it. It's happened to me on a Sunday, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. A light bulb needs to be changed. You, you got to do it. Like something happens. Like it's game time, right? Somebody's got to fall on the On the, the way to the pulpit, I had a lady stop me to let me know that there was no toilet paper in the ladies' <laughs> restroom. On the way. I'm like walking up to the pulpit. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love doing this. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, but well, you, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, and, you know, we can handle a couple of those, but let's just say one of those hits you on the week that your kid stayed up all night, your car broke down, mm-hmm. your parents in another state called you and were mm-hmm. frustrated because you hadn't been home in a weekend or two. Your wife and you got in a fight because you're both tired and you didn't have a date night, etc. Mm-hmm. These and are then, all theoretical, right, Bob? Yeah, this, <laughs> not, not speaking from experience. But Somebody's but, experience. Somebody's, somebody's experience. My friend is experienced. What we hear, what we uh-huh, hear, yeah, right? You guys are uh-huh. laughing because you know it's true, but... Um, uh-huh. But in those moments, that's the that's the Sunday that somebody's going to come up to you and say, "There's no toilet paper." Right. And in that moment, right before you preach, like all of these unsanctified thoughts are going through your mind. Right. Mm-hmm. So, let's kind of get to some solution side things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, what do you do with the weight? How do you, what do you how do, do you, with the weight? What do you do with it? How do you process it? Where? How have you guys processed and managed that in your life? Uh, well, I would say, I mean, the the first way and this is this is supremely practical but it's also i mean it's spiritual emotional by by the the daily means of grace of staying in the word and in prayer and and reminding myself i am not the hero jesus is the leader of the church it rests upon him he's the one who builds it only if i am forcing myself praying and fasting and repenting so that i actually believe that will i ever be able to then begin to make decisions on the fly where i can respond more from a position of rest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is if I'm actually convinced that the Lord is patient, that the Lord builds, that this is again about making Christ's name glorious, not my own. Only if, and that, I mean, that does, I mean, there's, there's no shortcut to that. You can't microwave that. I and mean, sometimes God uses suffering and the, and the real big failures or the big or the unexpected onslaught of mm-hmm. decisions or to, to, so that we begin to believe that and, and it begins to form that maturity in us. But I would say that, that that has to be the number one priority is to begin to actually grow in our joy uh, in the Lord, to see him as Lord and to treat him um, as, the, yeah, as the king of the church, not me. And so, I think confessing your weakness to mm. uh, your elders, deacons, key leaders, mm-hmm. the ones who, who have accepted the responsibility to lead the church with you not advise you only on how you're supposed to lead the church. There's mm-hmm. a distinction there, mm-hmm. right? And hopefully most of our brothers at least have one or two folks, maybe more, who have said to them as pastor, pastor, I'm here to support you and help you in your role in ministry. Because even in a, in a church that's been in long decline, there's some good folks there who realize the pastor can't do this by himself. Mm-hmm. And it may just be an honest coming to them and saying, look, I am bearing a lot of weight right now, and I'm just going to have to confess, I cannot do these things, and I can't do them any longer. It's about, I'm being crushed by them, Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. need you all Mm -hmm. to step up. So we we had one of these, it's my uh, 
it's the the rumor weed. Remember the rumor weed on Veggie Tales? Did you guys watch Veggie Veggie Tales? Oh yeah, rumor weed, mm-hmm. Jimbo. No, one of the few oh, things but, I could. All right, <laughs> just yeah. So, so we have this AC cage out behind our church in our parking lot, and and uh, for whatever reason, like the weeds just infested it, and our lawn guy wasn't getting it, and it was a particularly busy week, and. Um, it was in uh, the springtime right after COVID hit and everything's just kind of exploding. And so I'm trying to figure out how to handle all my pastoral responsibilities and also have somebody take care of the weeds that are growing in the AC cage because they're about to encroach and kill our AC. But you're at the end of the liver line. I'm in, well, I am, but I'm also at the end of my line. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I took a picture of it and texted about four guys in our church and our elder team. And I just, uh, I just said, guys, this needs to be taken care of. I cannot do it. I'm exhausted. I've got too many things going on. Somebody needs to handle this. Right. And so radio silence mm. for Been there. Yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just determined, you know what? I'm going to let this one go. I'm just going to, I'm going to let it be out there. I'm going to leave it hanging. And so oftentimes what will happen, I found this out, is like when I'll text something to the elders, a couple of them will go on the, on, they'll have the side channel conversation. Right. Like, what are we going to do about this? Is Pastor Bob okay? Like what, what's I think we need to handle this, right? So they had a side, <laughs> side channel conversation. And finally one of them comes back and says, I'll do it. And it had to be the hottest day of the spring, the most humid day in St. Louis. And he went out there and he cleared all the weeds. And I was rejoicing because I was like, he felt the weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was so good for me to offload that to a group that that exists in our church to to make sure things are are done well and, Mm -hmm. and that I'm not bearing all the weight. I think it's so key to reiterate what you said earlier that if you always, always find yourself at the end of the goat liver line, yeah, then you're not leading correctly. Mm. Uh, you are not meant to be superhero. You're not meant to be Atlas carrying the world on your shoulders. You're meant to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, and you got to figure that out. But I think sometimes, man, it's just going to be tough. Um, one of the one of the single worst moments of my ministry career was also a catalyst for one of my greatest seasons of spiritual growth. Mm. And it was such a, lots of things were I felt were, I felt were imploding around me. Uh, the dark clouds wouldn't leave. Everything felt horrible and bad in the church in this season. And there was a stupid house I owned in Mississippi that I could not sell. And I rented it out for 10 years and tried to sell it and couldn't sell it. And I I mean, I lost all my savings trying to keep this house and make mortgage payments. And I'm in my office, pen to paper, filling out an application for short sale foreclosure, hoping that the bank would show me that grace. And a young leader walks into my office and says, my wife was crying on the couch last night because she hasn't been fed under your preaching in over a year, and your failure to preach the gospel clearly will be the reason this church dies, and then walks out. And at that, at that particular moment, I was like, I ain't eating any more liver. I'm done. Like, I am absolutely oh my done. But what I did is I ran to the Lord. And I, I really, I ran to the Psalms and I ran to some Barnabas friends and some Aaron leaders that would hold my arms up for a little bit. And I think about 
2 Corinthians 1.9, Paul says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Right, he's he's letting the Corinthians know, like, I, I don't want you to, I don't want you to get this twisted. Like, not everything's great. We thought we were gonna die, but then he says something so important. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. And I'll tell you, before that season of my life, I would have told you I was a spirit dependent pastor, but I wasn't. In that moment. I, I really became more of, and I'm sure there's more for me to grow in this, but it really drove me to my knees and drove me deeper into a dependence on Christ to not rely on myself, but to rely on others. So one of the things I would say is don't always run away from the suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes, if not oftentimes, it, it's, it's the path of suffering that God has for us in our sanctification. And in those difficult moments, you don't need to run away from it. Yeah. You need to ask the Lord, what are you doing here? And what do you, what do you want me to do? One of the, uh, um, I just think I want to add to what you were saying too, Bob, about this vulnerability piece. I think it's so, so important for, uh, well, one, our longevity, but also for the people that we have been entrusted to serve is that, not only are we saying, I am not the superhero, Jesus is the superhero, I can't be the superhero, but to be very practical then about our own weakness, to be able to like confess, as you said, Bob, too. And I remember when we first started doing that at Bayless, even in sermons, being like admitting my own struggles with discouragement, even depression. I had several people who were very, very rattled by that, who came up and said, Pastor, are you okay? Like, are you mm-hmm. going to quit? And I said, no, no, this is just daily reality. I'm, I want you to know that I'm fighting for joy just as I want you to fight for joy. But mm-hmm. isn't Christ good? And for them to even see when you're having those vulnerable moments, I cannot bear this on my own. I need teammates. I need somebody to take this. Or even allowing some things sometimes to crack, to, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. not go according to the plan, a little, uh, to fumble the ball, and to realize, again, the Lord's patience with our church. This actually can be really good for for our church to see about what matters most and even like, okay, so moving forward, how can we do so as a, I have a good mentor who puts it, this is not a, it's not an individual event. This is a team sport. That's mm-hmm. what we, and, mm-hmm. and to have our people begin to see, oh yeah, like I, I am a necessary uh, piece of this team as, you know, Corinthians talks about this body. We can't, we're, we're all of us are required. I mean, which of, which organs would you call expendable? And so for our people to see and act upon that, sometimes it takes things to be dropped. I, I just want to end with, with this. Um, there, there are likely some guys who are listening who are really, they're at the end, and maybe they're beyond the end. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the reality is we've seen pastoral suicides. We've seen guys just blow up their lives mm-hmm. with sin and just shipwreck their, their marriage, their leadership because they're well beyond the end of themselves. Jimbo very clearly articulated that we, God brings us to the end so that we would depend on him. Mm-hmm. But if you don't depend on God, you're, you're, you're in a season uh, of uh, risk. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to say the guys out there that, that maybe you feel like you're beyond your end and you're concerned and you're having thoughts that alarm you and frighten you and are concerning to you. Reach out. We're going to put the pastor's help number on the end of the show notes. 
reach out to the pastor's helpline. It's confidential. It's 24 hours. Um, they'll answer you. Uh, reach out to us. Reach out to your associational leader. Reach out to your sending church. Reach out to a brother. Reach out to a mentor. Reach out to a peer from seminary or, or college who you could have. You could just tell them anything, and they're not going to judge you. Get the help you need. Part of that help may be a time away from ministry or transition away from ministry, or it may be a, a little bit of a break. It may be some medication and some counseling and all those sorts of things. The reality is when we are hurt physically, we'll seek medical relief. When we were hurt mentally and emotionally and spiritually, we often try to just to suck it up and bear it on our own. Mm -hmm. And that does not work. So Paul says, we're going to be, we do not want you to be uninformed about the suffering that we experienced. And he talks about the depth and the extent of it. And he said, all of that happened to make us not depend on ourselves, but to depend on God. So pastor, if you're in a bad place, don't depend on yourself. Get the help you need. All right, guys, one last reminder for you. For the next several weeks, we're going to be giving away a hat each once a month. And you can find the information on how to enter that at replantbootcamp.com or on our social media. A lot of different ways that you can enter. We're just doing this to help us get the word out and let others know about the podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.